Reading from the Old Testament, this is Psalm 148. It'd be good if you could open a copy of uh, God's Word, if it, even the, the Pew Bible in front of you, if you didn't bring your own. I think you'll find it helpful as we go through this together. This is the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you and praise you for your word. We ask that you would take it now and plant it deeply into our hearts and work in us that which is pleasing in your sight to make us more and more like our Savior Jesus. We ask in his name, amen. Well, Psalm 148 is an exhortation for everything, everywhere to praise God. So join the song. The Westminster Confession of Faith captures the essence of this psalm when it says, to him is due from angels and men and every other creature whatsoever worship, service, or obedience he is pleased to require of them. I remember attending a concert by the Christian rock band Petra years ago. They did a song that drew me out of some spiritual despondency and revived my spirit to praise the Lord. It went like this. Somebody's gonna praise his name. Somebody's gonna call him Lord. It'll either be you or me, or it's gonna be a rock or tree. Somebody, somewhere, is gonna praise his name. Well, Psalm 148 raises an important question. If the whole creation gives witness to the glory of God, why can't we? I realize I may be speaking to many kinds of people tonight, but we all struggle with sin. And sin keeps us from praising God as we should. Maybe some here are struggling under difficult circumstances you're finding it hard to praise God because there just isn't much to praise him about. Perhaps there is someone here who has fallen into a habitual sin. 
It is grieving your soul and grieving God and you can't praise him because of the dissonance in your conscience. Well, you need to confess your sin to him and turn to his word. Well, maybe some of you feel as if God has left or become distant. Your prayer life is empty and praise is just hard right now. Some here may be suffering from apathy in your Christian walk. You just don't really care right now. There may be new Christians here who are still learning how to praise. For those here who may be skeptical about Christianity, you don't believe that God exists or perhaps you believe but he's there but uh, he doesn't really involve himself in the world. You therefore refuse to give him glory. Well, no matter who you are or how you are feeling tonight, this psalm is calling you to praise the Lord. First, let's make a general observation about the psalm. The structure of the psalm basically follows the order of creation from Genesis 1. The summons to praise moves from far to near, starting in the heavens above, moving to the earth below, and then to people both far and near. It's as if creation is like a great cathedral where every part is designed to point to the glory of God. The children's catechism outlines this truth brilliantly. The first several questions and answers read like this. Who made you? God. What else did God make? God made all things. Why did God make you and all things? For his own glory. Why ought you to glorify God? Because he made me and takes care of me. We're going to see that Psalm 148 gives us three reasons to praise God. We ought to praise him on account of his power, his wisdom, and his love for his people. At the same time, we will also see how the person and work of Jesus Christ parallels many of the ideas in the psalm. He is our great Emmanuel who came down from heaven to draw us near to God by his blood. Well, first, we should praise God for his power. The angelic praise shows the power of God's authority. Verses one and two. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Heaven is God's throne, Isaiah says. Now, angels are the greatest beings in all creation, but they are his angels. They are sinless, spiritual beings who continually, joyfully, and perfectly serve God. They are incredibly powerful. God sends a single angel in 2 Chronicles 32 to destroy all the mighty warriors, officers, and commanders in the Assyrian army. And yet, these angels are merely messengers and servants of God. According to Revelation 5, they number in the myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. They literally are an army for the Lord God. 
Angels also give God unique and high praise. In Isaiah 6, we find them surrounding God's throne, ceaselessly crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Heaven and earth is full of his glory. We're told in the New Testament that the Lord Jesus has authority over angels. Hebrews chapter one, five and six says, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Remember when Peter draws his sword to protect Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane? Jesus rebuked him and said, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? The angels bow to God's authority, but then praise given by sun, moon, and stars demonstrate his creative power. Verses three and five. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. The New Testament teaches all things were created by Jesus. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Well, how do inanimate creatures like the sun and moon praise the name of the Lord? Well, God's name represents his character and evidences of his creative power are abundant in the things he has made. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Glory refers to a visible manifestation of God's invisible attributes. Let me give you an illustration. Seeing a baseball rocketing over the center field wall at Citizens Bank Park is evidence of Bryce Harper's strength. It gives him glory and all the people cheer. Charles Spurgeon wrote, the name of Jehovah is written legibly upon his works so that his power, wisdom, goodness, and other attributes are there made manifest to thoughtful men and thus his name is praised. The highest praise of God is to declare what he is. We can invent nothing which would magnify the Lord. We can never extol him better than by repeating his name or describing his character. The Lord is to be extolled as creating all things that exist and is doing so by the simple agency of his word. Something like the intensity of the sun's heat is evidence of God's power. The light of the sun gives life, reminding us God is Lord and giver of life. The moon shining in darkness reminds us there is no darkness in God. The sun and moon also praise God as they demonstrate his sustaining power and purpose. Verse six, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Isaac Watts wrote, the moon shines full at his command and all the stars obey. 
God makes everything for a reason and provides all the necessary means to sustain its purpose. His decree will not pass away, the psalm says. Think of all the natural laws God has put in place, like gravity. I remember watching a lecture by a great physicist who said that while we can explain the mathematical properties of gravity, no one actually knows what gravity is. But gravity doesn't change. It reminds us of God's great faithfulness. There is no shadow of turning with him, we like to sing. Well, God takes great care in designing all of his works, and this is true of people as well. Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, that may be something that you need to hear tonight. You might need to know that God made you, and he did so with great intention to show forth his glory. There is a lot of confusion in our world today about identity. Not so for the Christian. There are many reasons for this, but here is the main one this scripture is teaching. We don't choose our identity. It was given to us by God for his purpose. If you are confused tonight, about who you are, I strongly encourage you to read the Bible and to ask God to help you see how you have been created in his image to reflect his glory. Would you entrust your identity to the prevailing winds of thought which characterize our age? Wouldn't you rather place your trust in the God who created you who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his wisdom, power, truth, goodness, and love. So, like the moon and stars, we too can praise God by acknowledging that he has made us, that we belong to him, and by living according to his purposes for us as given in his word. Which leads us to the second point. The praises of creation display God's power, but secondly, they show forth his wisdom. God is worthy of all praise because of his wise governing and preserving of all creation. Verses seven and eight. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps. And it's here where the King James Version has the wonderful dragons and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Other places in scripture compare God's goodness and justice to the mountains and the deeps. Psalm 36, six for example. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast, you save, O Lord. God's creatures also fulfill his word. 
Well, God generally chooses not to act directly, but makes use of what we call secondary causes. If he wants the ground wet, he sends a rain cloud. Now, this is not the same thing as the materialist worldview. The materialist claims all things have a natural explanation. The biblical worldview, on the other hand, says that all natural things work according to divine purposes. Now, our children sometimes try to incorporate naturalistic philosophy into their excuses. They say things like this when you ask, tell me, how did the vase break? Oh, it must just have fallen. As if they think that you think that only gravity could have caused the mess. (laughs) But scripture teaches God controls the winds and waves, the clouds and storms and every creature. All are at the disposal of his wisdom in governing the earth. John Calvin wrote, it is not by an effect of chance that the heavens are clouded or that a single drop of rain falls from the clouds of that thunder's rage, but one and all of these things changes, one and all of these changes depend upon the secret will of God, whether he will show his goodness to the children of men in irrigating the earth or punish their sins by tempest, hail, or other calamities. If we are alarmed by thunder, we are taught to pray to God. For as it is he who sends it in his anger, so he can still all the troubled elements. God even controls the dark things of the world. Spurgeon said this, quote, about dragons and deeps, There is somewhat of dread, but this may the more fitly suit the bass of the music of the psalm. There are many things which are a danger to us in this world. Sometimes God makes use of these things to suppress evil, such as in the great flood. Or he may use dark things to discipline his people. Think of how he used the storm in Jonah 1 to discipline his erring prophet. He cast the storm on the sea while Jonah slept inside the ship. The captain comes and demands why this evil is happening to them and Jonah's explanation is, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Well, this made the mariners even more afraid. Well, God may not have used a dragon, but he did use a great fish or a whale to swallow Jonah. Jesus, of course, used this example to say something about his own death. When the Pharisees asked him for a miraculous sign, Jesus gave them this as a sign. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The psalm then moves on to exhort all people to praise the Lord. Look at verses 11 and following. Kings of the earth and all peoples, meaning nations and ethnicities, 
princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. People everywhere are called to praise God in their respective spheres. No one is exempt. To everyone, God is king. Rulers should praise as an example to others and honor God in their just leadership. Young maidens and and men should praise God in their joy and strength. Old men should praise as they teach the young, demonstrating their wisdom. Children can praise as they trust and learn and give joy to their elders in their obedience. The psalm then comes to a summary of everything spoken so far. The Lord alone is worthy of praise. Look at verse 12. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. Now this is wisdom of the greatest kind. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs says. Sinful people need to be reminded that the Lord alone is great. Because of our tendency to exalt ourselves and give our hearts over to so many things besides God. Again, Spurgeon said, his royal splendor exceeds all that earth and heaven can express. He is himself the crown of all things, the excellency of the creation. There is more glory in him personally than in all his works united. It is not possible for us to exceed and become extravagant in the Lord's praise. His own natural glory is infinitely greater than any glory which we can, rem- which we can render to him. So we have seen the praise of creation reveals God's power and wisdom. And now lastly, his love. Verse 14, he has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. The Lord has drawn near to his people. The essence of his covenant with Israel was, I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will dwell with you. He is their strength and shield, a fortress and rock of refuge. Now the horn is the symbol of an animal's strength, and so therefore the Lord is the strength of his people. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. One final quote from Spurgeon. His goodness to all creatures does not prevent his having a special favor to his chosen nation. He is good to all, but he is God to his people. He lifts up the downtrodden, but he in a peculiar manner lifts up his people. When they are brought low, he raises up a horn for them by sending them a deliverer. When they are in conflict, he gives them courage and strength so that they lift up their horn amid the fray. And when all is peaceful around them, he fills their horn with plenty and they lift it up with delight. How does this happen? How are people brought near to God? 
The problem with calling all people to praise God is, as the New Testament says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Psalm 148 has taught us that God is infinitely worthy of praise, but even if sinful people praise him for all they're worth, does that earn them enough favor with God so that he will keep them near to him? The answer comes from another song that I love, which goes like this. My God is so high, you can't get over him. He's so low, you can't get under him. He's so wide, you can't get around him. You must come in by and through the lamb. Jesus came to reconcile the, word to God, the world to God so we might praise him as we should. Even as the shape of this psalm begins in the heavens and descends into the depths, so Jesus, the eternal second person of the Trinity who created the world and is worthy of all praise from the creation came down to earth. He became man and became obedient to all God commanded. He humbled himself and took on the weakness and frailty of the human condition. He was subjected to every kind of temptation, yet without sin. The very trees that he had called into existence and the ground he laid across the earth became the instruments of his death and burial. But praise God, God highly exalted him so that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He purchased a people who could praise him in spirit and in truth. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. He also says in Ephesians 2 verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Israel, the people near to him in this psalm, they were not chosen because they were a special people. Deuteronomy 9.6 says, know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people. The apostle says something, apostle Paul says something similar about himself in 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. 
If you are new to 10th, especially if you do not yet know the Lord, let's take a look around you. There's nothing special about us here. We are made in God's image, yes, but so are you. We are under his authority and wisdom, and so are you. We are in need of his mercy and grace, just like you. If we, though undeserving, can praise God by faith in Jesus Christ, then so can you. Come to Christ right away. Jesus said, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now listen to this, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. He's seeking such people to worship him. If that is you, if you feel that for the first time in your life you want to praise him, then trust in Jesus Christ as your savior, as your savior and Lord and let the rest of your life be lived for his glory. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. We praise you, O God, that you have brought us near to yourself through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he came below to raise us up with him so that we might glorify you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and enjoy you forever. Amen.